Hey, welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode 546. Great to have you with us. It's going to be a very, very exciting episode tonight. We're talking cryptocurrency. I want to talk about turtles. Turtles? Can we talk about turtles? The chocolate? <laughs> no, the cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh, <Come> okay. <laughs> There's a new one called Turtles. We're going to learn how to mine that. Yes. How to set up a wallet, all this kind of cool stuff. We're going to learn what it is and basically how to get started on crypto mining because it's a little overwhelming and we're going to simplify it for you and make it fun. Crazy easy. Mm. That's how we do it around here. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit our website, Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's so nice to have you here. I'm Robbie. And I'm Jeff. And I'm Sasha. Tonight, we've got a great show planned for you. Before we get into it, just a little bit of housekeeping. Last week, we looked at PlexPi. Yes. And I mentioned that PlexPi 1.2 was coming, and it arrived. Yay! Friday night, I was there uploading it to Drive, and it's up. One of the things with PlexPi, and while we were demonstrating it, that was like a beta version that I was mm -hmm. demonstrating uh, of 1.2. I said, I really wish we had time to show you how to install the Category 5 TV network Plex channel right. on your Plex Pi server. And then when I built the final build, I said, eh, we didn't quite get around to it. So I built our channel into Plex Pi. So oh. now when you install Plex Pi 1.2 and higher, you actually get the Category 5 TV network channel built into PlexPi. Wow, you make things so simple. It's already pre-configured. It's ready to go. You can watch all the shows without having to download them. You know, it's funny. I remember, I think last season, you made a comment about wanting to have more out-of-box software for this kind of stuff. And, and I mm -hmm. love that you're rolling it out because it does make it so much easier for somebody who's like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love Cat5. Sure. Well, and PlexPi was one of the... It, it was birthed out of the fact that we did a demonstration on how to set up Plex yep. and people had trouble. And new Linux users, people who are brand new to Raspberry Pi and tinkering, uh, had trouble. Mm -hmm. And so I was fielding a lot of questions like, I did this, I followed the steps, but I can't get it working. I can't get my drives to mount. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with those kinds of questions. I loved helping them out. But there comes a point when it's like, I've answered this 10,000 times. What can I do better? And that's what PlexPi came out of was saying, you know what, why don't I just do this and release it as a build? And I've got a lot of experience doing distro releases with NEMS Linux. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a good opportunity. And I think, uh, hey, if you haven't tried it yet, plexpi.com turns a Raspberry Pi 3 into a Plex media server. And you can watch episodes number 544 and 545 of Category 5 Technology TV to learn all about it. Mm -hmm. So there is that. Okay. Uh, totally just blanked there. 
You totally just blanked. I it did. Was like he was I, going I to say something. I looked at the paper. I was going <laughs> to say something, could, and poof, it I'll was just, gone. I'll just take over. All righty. Go for it. All right. So we are still giving away some copies of Dead Effect 2 VR. Nice. So we still have the contest going. Here's how you, you enter. You email contest at category5.tv and let us know where you're watching from, how you're watching, how much you love us. <laughs> It'd be nice to know who you are, too. Yes. I think that's important. Tell us your name in the chat room. That would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you mention the email address? I did. Okay. Ca- contest. Oh, maybe I, maybe I did. Contest <laughs> I at category5.tv if I did not. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> Good luck to you, young one. Are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. I, I've been waiting for this topic. I don't even want to take a commercial break. We're just going to jump right into it. Yes. So, tonight we are talking cryptocurrency. Yes. He's excited. I am. A couple of you just went, oh, really? Cryptocurrency? What? We're going we're gonna to make this fun for you. Yes. Jeff said it before the show. We're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun with this. We're going to make it easy for you. Yes. So, we're yeah. just going to get right into cryptocurrency. Okay. Now, out the gate, I need to mention we're not giving financial advice tonight. This is just Correct. our own opinions and everything that we're learning to do. I'm looking forward to doing some crypto mining for free. And hey, we'll see, wh- Why not? We'll see what happens with that. But no financial advice here tonight. It's just strictly, uh, that's not my forte. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I'm new to crypto. You're new to crypto. Yes. Sasha, how much crypto is in your portfolio? Uh, zero. All right. So we're all pretty much crypto noobs. Yes. And so what we're doing here tonight is not the de facto, here's how you do cryptocurrency. No, it's nothing like that. It is, however, uh, what we've learned so far. And we want to share that information with you and share that knowledge with you so that you can get excited about what we're excited about as well. Now, hold on. Before you get into it, though, I'm sure there are some people who have heard all about cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. but they don't know what it is. So, really quickly, what is cryptocurrency? Basically, to, to really dumb it down, it's yep. a, a digital currency, so monetary value to this digital coin or digital, um, they're called hashes, so it's, it's just digital, digital strings that are stored uh, on, a, on a, a network of computers. Right. So it's not stored in any one place like your bank. Right. It's stored on thousands, of, potentially thousands and thousands of computers. It's called a blockchain. Mm-hmm. And that blockchain contains information about the currency that exists, whether it be Bitcoin or Monero or Ethereum or whatever that might be. This digital data is stored within the blockchain. And that's shared between all these computers so that, hey, if one of them disappears the blockchain still exists and you don't lose your currency. Right. And the more people that are using it, mining it, whatever the catchphrase is, Mm. the more it grows. Oh, yeah. And the harder it gets to mine. Yes. You think about... And we're going to get in... Let's talk a little bit about... Because I don't... There are some questions that viewers may bring up that Mm -hmm. would drive us to these very conversations. Yes. And, And I think in particular, you know, what is stopping me from getting into cryptocurrency? What is stopping me from um, not investing, but having a, a cryptocurrency portfolio? Can you think of any examples? Well, I mean, uh, the first one, and w- this would be what stopped me, yeah. was that it's complicated. I, I mean, okay. when, 
when I first started hearing about, you know, this, you know, exponential rise in value for Bitcoin, I'm like, okay, what's cryptocurrency? So I, I'm right. looking into it and trying to research it. And I'm going, how in the world do I make this happen? Because I'm hearing about uh, software that's being, you know, backend loaded onto computers to mm-hmm. mine so that, you know, they can... And you hear about these crazy rigs and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I'm so like, this is ridiculous. So it, it was super, super complicated. Mm-hmm. I tried to do some research myself and it, my, my initial assessment of it was, this is gobbledygook. I have no clue what I'm doing. You got to so be a hacker I, to I do it. I walked away. Yeah. I right. really did. I, I mean, I was envious, but I walked away because it was so complicated. All right. So tonight we're going to learn uh, with a piece of software how to start mining, and it will take about five minutes to set up on a Linux machine. Super easy. Yeah. So really, really easy to get started. Uh, we're going to learn all about that in a couple of moments. Anything right. else uh, between the two of you that you can think of that might keep you from mining cryptocurrency? Or becoming involved in cryptocurrency? Everything. I would. I would feel, <laughs> I would feel like everything. Everything. Like everything. I would. Like as far as like I would picture to mine cryptocurrency, I would need this big, huge, expensive, crazy rig that's running all the time, and you know, that, right? You know that sort of thing. You got to own your own server farm. Yeah. Yes. You see these guys that have um, like GPUs. Just lined up yes, in these jacks. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, so I mean, one of the things I mentioned at the beginning is you hear about people installing it maliciously in the back end of people's computers, and I think mm-hmm. illegal usage. Like that, we'll, we'll get be- we'll get to that. But let's touch on Sasha's comment first. Right. Okay. So illegal usage is a, a completely unrelated, but definitely yes. a good a good uh, a good comment as well. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the rig, Sasha. Yes. Here's the thing. So we mentioned that it gets harder and harder to mine as the cryptocurrency gains popularity. Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin. If you were around when Bitcoin first started up, people were mining it and getting Bitcoin and building their Bitcoin portfolio. And it wasn't worth a lot. So right. then when Bitcoin took off, now, you know, being worth $10,000 today and, you know, $16,000 yesterday and, and fluctuating, uh, you know, between, I've seen it, usually we're falling between 8000 9000 to $12,000 yeah. as of late per Bitcoin. So if you mined in the early days and you happen to have a portfolio or a wallet of Bitcoin, then it's worth a lot of money, mm-hmm. even if. Bitcoin falls 7% or whatever. Right. Uh, it's still worth a lot more than you put into it, which was mining. Um, so what has happened is now that Bitcoin has gained popularity and it's susceptible to uh, machines that are built specifically for mining cryptocurrency, specifically for mining Bitcoin at that. Uh, so there are har- hardware devices that cost thousands of dollars that are working on Bitcoin and mining cryptocurrency. And so for the little guys like you and me who have just a basic computer, we try to mine Bitcoin and we don't get any. Right. Because our systems are not as powerful as the next guys and the next guys getting all of the cryptocurrency basically to to really make it simple, right? So for me, remember we built that that computer for Dave. Yes. Is that big enough and powerful enough to mine Bitcoin, no. 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 Bitcoin, no. Because Bitcoin is now at the point where only those machines that are in, like, I'm not talking about really great gaming rigs. I'm talking these are specific machines that are built for mining cryptocurrency. They cannot do anything else. Their chips are built specifically to figure out the hashes of Bitcoin. So 
because those exist and because those have taken over that network now there is and because the mining basically the coins have become more rare because so many of them have been mined already and there's a finite number of them available so just like mining if if there's a limited supply the value goes up right so also the difficulty to find it goes up mm-hmm. okay so bitcoin is very very hard to mine now because it's rarer because mm-hmm. it's already been mined and it takes a lot more hardware power in order to decrypt uh, to find the hashes so the key thing is is to find and, and uh, there are what's called altcoins which are alternate coins to bitcoin so mm-hmm. anything that is not bitcoin but is cryptocurrency is called an altcoin so that is monero ethereum litecoin turtle now uh and and hundreds of others yes so, so it's just finding the legitimate ones that are low in value right now because they are so plentiful in supply because they're so plentiful in supply they're worth nothing or next to nothing but as but they're easy to mine yes so now sasha your gaming computer can mine something like monero Okay. okay. So you okay. can be mining Monero, which is only worth like $300 per coin, and you can be gaining Monero in your portfolio, and it is on its way up. And again, not giving investment advice or anything, but we're talking about just using your existing computer hardware. So then if there's all these altcoins available, are you really just taking an educated guess at which ones are going to grow, or is it just that yeah. they're all going to grow? No. Uh, some of them are fake. Some of them are going to crash right down to zero because they, you know, they, they, people do invest, people do, um, rather than mining, maybe they don't want to mine and they just want to buy coin. So they'll buy coin, hoping that that's the one. And then that one crashes, they've lost all their money in that investment. So yes. then somebody gains from that. Um, so yeah, it is a bit of a Russian roulette because there are so many out there mm-hmm. And some will crash, and some will burn, and some will fail. So that's where, okay, Monero seems really trustworthy, and like it's going on the up and up. Mm-hmm. But there's this new one called TurtleCoin that yes. is also, now it's worth nothing, next to nothing. Uh, one Satoshi today, which is the very, very smallest decimal point of a Bitcoin. That's what a single turtle is worth. Oh, okay. Can, but, can we just name them like shells or something? Can one turtle yeah. coin be a shell? Sure. Absolutely. So how many shells can we get? So, uh, and we're going to get a little bit into turtle coin tonight because um, that's the first one that we're going to start mining with because it's in such plentiful supply right now. Whether it will fail and be worth nothing or whether it will go up in value, it it doesn't really matter to us because um, it is basically we were able to mine it and it's really really easy to mine right now because it is in plentiful supply there are a couple of other things about their network that is unique like it uh, they generate coins every uh every half a minute oh okay Uh, there Hmm. are like blocks come out every half a minute um so there's always a flow of of coin going through the network and because it is in such a massive supply it is easy to mine okay being easy to mine also with Turtle coin, there's only two decimal places to the coin, just like our dollar, versus Bitcoin, which has several decimal places. So in order to get one Bitcoin, you actually have to get thousands and thousands of individual little pieces. Yes. Now with turtle coin, there's once you have a hundred of these individual pieces, it is one turtle coin. Right. So there are some advantages there. Now you asked about legality. Yes. Yeah. And so I mean there's this perception that because of the 
you know, we're hearing about these malicious ways that people are hacking into systems to have miners going yes. on in the background. Installing it in viruses. Yes. And, so people assume, mm -hmm. ooh, cryptocurrency, it's it's illegal. It's not, sure. you know, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, it in some countries, yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so you've got uh, uh, Algeria, Bolivia, Ecuador, Kyrgyzstan, Bangladesh, Nepal, Cambodia, um, those it's been deemed illegal. So if you are tr trading cryptocurrency in those yes. countries, it's yes. illegal. But everywhere else at present, it is legal to trade. And some countries it's not legal to buy with cryptocurrency, but trading is legal. Mm -hmm. uh, or mining is also legal. Um, so w where the misconception comes from, as you mentioned, it's illicitly installed mining software. Right. So if I install a program on my computer, we've heard about um, JavaScript on websites. So I yes. go to a website and all of a sudden my computer is mining cryptocurrency. Now, the newspaper's website that I'm visiting, who can no longer sell subscriptions to the newspaper, has to find a way to make money. Mm -hmm. They can't put ads on their website anymore to generate revenue because people are using ad blockers. So now they have to find a new way to generate revenue. So what do they do? They get a hold of this JavaScript that runs in the background on your computer while you are on their website. And it's generating CryptoCoin for them. It's going into their wallet. Now, what's shady about that is, and what makes that illegal practice, is that they are doing that without your authorization. Right. Okay? So the practice itself, the capability of mining crypto coin, trading crypto coin, that is not the illegal practice. The illegal practice is doing it on someone else's hardware, utilizing their resources without their express consent. Right. In our case, we want to mine cryptocurrency ourselves. Yes. Whether we donate that cryptocurrency to someone like Category 5 TV or whether we collect that cryptocurrency for ourselves, it's up to us. We have decided and we have authorized ourselves to use our computer hardware to do it. Right. So it's perfectly legal, unless you're in one of those countries where it's been deemed illegal. Makes sense. But the practice itself is legal. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we've looked at a couple of reasons why, uh, but I think right now we should take a quick break because I want to get to showing people how to install a miner. Oh, yes. So when we come back, I mentioned about being able to support Category 5 TV through crypto mining. I'm yes. going to show you a piece of software that you can install uh, that I've put together that just makes setting up your crypto mining. I've been using it for a couple so days. So easy. Easy. I'm going to show you all about that. Don't worry. We're going to show you how to mine for yourself as well. That's all coming up right after this. Jeff Weston, Yaman. you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cap5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Welcome back to Category 5 Technology TV. Tonight, we are talking cryptocurrency. We're learning. We're getting there. I know. Are you ready to install our first yes. ever miner? So easy. Now, we're doing this on Linux tonight. Okay? I'm going to head on over to cat5.tv slash miners. It's as simple as that. That's yep. going to take you to our GitHub page for Cat5 TV miners. Now, it's pretty straightforward, and you start looking, and you're like, hey, this looks like a whole lot of code, and I don't know how to work that. Uh, all you need to do, and I, I'm sorry if that's exactly how you sound. <laughs> That's how I sound. Uh, you scroll down a little ways. It's going to tell you a little bit about how this works. It's going to explain some things. And I want to explain some things. Well, CPU versus GPU. Yes. That's the first thing that I explain here on this entry, Cat5, uh, Cat5 TV miners. The CPU, the central processing unit of your computer, is capable of mining cryptocurrency. Yep. Not Bitcoin, because as we mentioned earlier, it's just out of reach for uh, our consumer hardware. Mm -hmm. But things like Monero and things like, uh, like TurtleCoin now, um, we've got the capability to mine that with CPU. GPU, a graphics processing unit, this is your video card if you've got a really good one. Sasha, you've got a really good one, so we're expecting good things out of that. Uh, I think it was a 1070, a GTX 1070. So it's going to do pretty well uh, with 4 gigs or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, overclocked at that. So your graphics card has uh, so many cores and so much power to it that you can usually get a really good hash rate. Now, I picked up a $200 graphics card and I get about 350 hashes per second. Okay. So that's enough just from that one video card to generate revenue for me just by mining on that GPU. So CPU versus GPU, your GPU, if it's a good one, is going to give you a better hash rate than uh, a standard CPU. But something like a Xeon will get a killer uh, CPU right. rate, uh, hash rate. Um, so it really boils down to trying it. Try the CPU um, miner and see what kind of hash rate you get. Try a GPU miner and see what kind of hash rate you're going to get. Um, and what's interesting about it, because they're two different chips, CPU versus GPU, you can run both simultaneously. Yes. So to maximize your hash rate, which is to say to maximize how much uh, of these crypto hashes your computer is able to handle uh, and, and decode and figure out and send back to the server, the higher your hash rate, the, better you, the, the more revenue you're generating, essentially. And, and when you uh, put me onto the software the other day, yes. uh, I downloaded both. Yep. I had both of them running. And it was interesting for me to see because I thought I had a great graphics card. Mm. I couldn't tell you what it is because I don't recall now. It's been, sure. you know, uh, a years. couple years old. It might just yeah, it is it might be years. a great graphics card, but it may just not have crypto mining right. capabilities. And so <clears> when <throat> I had the GPU running, I think I was getting about 170 hashes. Uh, on GPU? Yeah. On, well, that's not on bad. GPU. That's, yeah, it was good. That's really good. I flipped to the CPU and I'm pulling out a consistent 298. What? And I was like... On a CPU. On a CPU. Wow. And I was like, okay, so I like getting, this. So you're getting like 400 hashes per second on this rig. Just something like, yeah, it was about those. that, yeah, yeah. So is it an NVIDIA or an AMD card? I believe it was an AMD. Okay, so as it's an AMD card... It's been two years card, since I built it. As an AMD card, you can actually install their blockchain driver. I and did the block, know that. The blockchain driver apparently gives you better hash rates. 
Right. So it's just a different alternate driver because you're on Windows. Yes. Now, I, I also have that installed on my Linux machine. Yes. Because the card I bought was an AMD card because apparently they're, uh, they mine more hashes per second than N- NVIDIA, apparently. I did. So, yeah, I, I, that's just what I've heard. I haven't put them head to head yet. We're going to see on Sasha's rate because she's got an NVIDIA 1070. Yes. Uh, so GPU versus CPU, it really comes down to start with CPU because it's easier to get up and going. Yes. GPU can be a little more complex. Um, but if you can get them both working together, then you're going to get the best hash rate possible from, yep. from your computer. And again, we're not building computers. We are simply using the hardware that we already have. Mm-hmm. So... There's no uh, perceptible cost involved. We're just installing a program and letting it run. Yep. So on this site, you can learn more about it. How much bandwidth is it going to use? Basically none. It's not an internet thing. It's a CPU, GPU thing. You'll notice that there are several options. The automatic miner is the one we're going to focus on tonight. There's also specifically Monero mining, uh, turtle, turtle coin mining, and Bitcoin CPU mining, which is really just proof of concept, but probably don't run it because it's not actually going to generate any any revenue. So automatic miner for Linux. Uh, what's cool about our automatic miner is that it automatically cycles between the different currencies. So it'll do uh, a time of uh, Monero mm-hmm. and then it will stop that and it will do a time for Turtle Coin. Oh. And it will rotate between them so that we're kind of maximizing the portfolio in right. that we're getting a little bit of coin from each so that if it's Monero that takes off, we're good. If it's turtle coin that takes off, then we're, we're good as well. Hmm. Uh, but we're not investing our hashing, our mining on either uh, uh, on one currency. Right. It rotates. So that's where the auto miner comes in. And that is currently available for Linux, but also uh, uh, will be available for Windows as well. So on Linux, I'm just going to copy this line. It's, I've made it as simple as I possibly can to, to get up and running. Uh, so jump into your terminal. So we're going to actually see in real time how hard it is to get a crypto mining application running on your computer. Here we go. Paste. Enter your password. And now let her go. So it updates uh, apt repositories because it's added a couple um, that are needed. It's Mm -hmm. going to install dependencies. These are applications that are required in order to mine. So even if you don't want to use our software, it's prepared your system now to mine. So yes. it's installed all the dependencies that you will need in order to set up XM rig, for example. Um, so you can see it's getting some, okay, it's getting some headers. Now it's got the thing, the, the application, and it's compiling it already. So it's currently compiling what's called Monero-CPU, uh, which is the Monero miner to use the CPU, and that's what I'm installing. Um, Automatic Miner is currently only CPU. A GPU version will be coming out as well. Keep in mind the information that I've already provided. Now it's moved on to uh, installing TurtleCoin Mining on the CPU. Again, it's going to rotate between them. Um, Or you can, if you decide, you can just use one or the other. Right. If you want to set up a particular uh, wallet and get up and going and start mining for yourself, you can use the Cat5 TV Miners software to mine for yourself as well. By default, see, here's what's unique about Cat5 TV Miners. When you install it, and, and start mining, it will be mining to our wallet, which is a way of supporting Category 5 TV. So any cryptocurrency that's mined with the software out of the box is going to go into the wallet that supports Category 5. Now, as soon as you're ready, so it's a good way to get up and running and see if your c- computer is capable. Yes. Because right? you can run it and you don't have to set up a wallet and all that stuff. Once it's up and running, you can create your own wallets and change the wallet 
user, it's called a username, but you can change the wallet in the configuration file and boom, you're mining to your own wallet. Right. So um, to kind of, because this is an introduction to crypto mining, just so you're aware, there's a, there's a little bit of an intricacy to the way that it works in that when I'm mining, I'm not mining directly to my wallet. I can do that. That's called solo mining. But when I do that, I have to achieve the entire block myself. Right. So where rather than sending a bunch of hashes to a pool and then getting rewarded for my contribution, I'm having to get the entire block. It might take weeks and weeks, if at all. So you will see no income whatsoever from your mining efforts unless you get a block. And the chances of getting a block on your own are pretty rare. So instead, what we use is what's called a pool. So a pool is Jeff, your computer is connecting into this server. Mm -hmm. Me, my computer is connecting into the server. Sasha, your computer is also connecting into this server. And it's called a pool. So now the power of all of our hash rates is working together and finding all the hashes and collecting them and then finding the blocks. And once we find a block, it divvies it out. Here's a bit for you, here's a bit for you, and here's a bit for me. So much, much quick, quicker, I start to see cryptocurrency showing up in my wallet. And once I hit the threshold, that's when it's expelled to my wallet. Right. Until then, it's in the pool. Yes. So when you sign up for a pool, you'll see things like uh, 1,000 coin threshold. That means until you have mined a thousand coins, you will not get it in your wallet. Right. Okay. So with Turtle, um, it starts at about a hundred coins. And so you probably be seeing two or three payments a day. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's okay. really, really good right now. Um, this is finished installing. So I just want to show you quickly um, how we can do this. So the, the commands are here to begin mining, run this command. And so I'm just going to copy that and paste it into my terminal. And if all went well, there you go. It's mining turtle. Boom. Turtle mining on my laptop. And in, in fact, I'm in VirtualBox. So in a virtual machine, mining uh, cryptocurrency. Let's see what happens here. So I'm just waiting. So what's happened, it's connected to the pool and it's looking for jobs. So it's got a job, but I have yet to complete that job. So my computer is essentially figuring out the hash. Right. The, the pool is saying, here's the problem. Here's the math problem. My computer's saying, okay, I'm going to work this out. And then when I work it out, I send it to the pool. And it's all an automated process. You can see the pool has now sent me a second um, problem. And it's determined, you can see that the difficulty has gone down to 3,000. So it has determined automatically that hey, my CPU running in VirtualBox is not really all that powerful on this laptop. Uh, I, I, I won. I had one accepted. There you go. So one of my hashes was found and accepted and is a good hash. There's another one. So I've now, both of those jobs that I was sent, my computer has figured out the hash, sent it back to the pool, and the pool continues to work. Now I start to see my hash rate. 67.8 hashes per second. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm getting on my laptop. So that gives me a bit of a gauge as to the performance in crypto mining on my laptop. Right. That gets us up and going. The command to stop mining, uh, you see here on the website, is to be run in a separate window. Don't just push control C because then when the timer goes, it's going to start up again with the next miner, right? So instead, open another terminal window. Terminal and then paste the stop, uh, the stop command, which I've got in my clipboard from the GitHub there. And you'll notice that it is now stopped. It sent a sig hub. And we're done. So now we've stopped mining. I can go about doing things. Now, 
while it's mining, I can still use my computer, mm -hmm. especially if you've got a decent computer, like Jeff obviously yes. has Sasha, your computer. You could still be working on that computer and not even notice the difference because you've got enough cores and enough power that it's not going to affect you. GPU mining, on the other hand, because it really grabs a hold of that video card, you're probably going to have very low frame rates in games and stuff while yes. it's running. So you can kill off the GPU mining and just do CPU mining. Yep. Okay? Yep. And I did notice that. I mean, I... I was mining in the background uh, with my CPU and mm -hmm. didn't notice anything. Yeah, I use it all the time. It, it was great. Um, just because, before we take a commercial break, Jeff, I know you're, you're eager to, to take a quick break. Um, because the question is going to arise, you'll notice that automine-cpu is in the folder user share, uh, local share cat5. Uh, TV miners. So I'm just going to change directory to that and do an LS. And you see that there are SH files. So when I said you can change to your own coin, just do a nano turtle coin CPU and you'll see the username. Um, if you just kind of scroll over here, there you go, dash U. So see the username is my turtle address for category five. Just change that to your own. And then when you start um, your auto mining, it will be mining to your own. Uh, wallet instead. Right. Okay. I have a question from the chat room. Awesome. The foo wants to know whether or not or how does mining impact um, SSD lifetime? So solid state drive lifetime. Well, I don't know that there is much IO usage at all. Okay. Um, let's, let's give it a go. So what are you doing now? I am installing what's called IOTOP, okay. which shows me um, the IO usage, the input-output, the data transmission and reception from my IO. So I'll be able to tell if there's a lot of uh, usage. Great question. XM rig. Okay, I saw it there. Oh. XM rig is currently using 0%. It jumped up to a little bit, 99%. Now remember, I'm on a, um, I'm on a virtual machine, right? So my I/O is, you know, easy to max out. So do that on your system and see. Um, of course, that you can store it anywhere. I don't think that there's a real impact. I don't. I don't think there would be. I haven't heard it because it, what it does is it loads it into memory and it loads it on GPU. It actually uses the, the memory on the GPU itself. Mm -hmm. So that's why you can't mine, for example, uh, Monero on a one gig card right. because the hashes are like two gigs. Yeah. So, and th those are not actual numbers, but that just to give you an idea because your GPU, if you don't have a four gig card, you can't mine it because there's not enough memory in order to do it. Um, so that would be one thing I would check. So I see like the occasional 14 kilobyte write happening, but that's not much. No. So good question. Good question. Okay. So uh, let's take a commercial break and then we're going to come back and tell you how to set up your wallet. Nice. Good times. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, because... 
cat5.tv slash gearbest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash gearbest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about computer? Uh consumer electronics those make a great gift absolutely from high-tech watches to action cameras headphones even virtual reality headsets cat5.tv slash gearbest has you covered they literally have it all jeff literally really it's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb yeah, I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele- uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock bottom, super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cat5.tv slash gearbest. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, but of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy. Cat5.tv slash GearBest. That's right. Happy shopping. All right, welcome back. So we have covered setting up the miner. Yes. And now we're going to talk about setting up your wallet. We've shown that you can actually do it on just general hardware, too. Yes. Like I was yes. getting 60 plus hashes per second on an old laptop in a virtual machine, which was awesome. Yeah, so I, imagine that on your actual computer. I'm really excited about this portion because I have struggled this week with setting up a wallet okay. and making it work properly because there was a lot of back-end stuff that I didn't realize. I right. thought it was a simple, oh, I've got a wallet, but there right. was more to it. Now, there's a, there's a caveat here. Now, okay. I'm going to be right straight up with you. Please do. The temptation is to find the easiest solution to setting up your wallet. Yes. I fell into this temptation. I made this mistake. And the easiest way is to find an online service that you can just go to their website and generate a wallet and you're done. Oh. That makes sense, right? And you can still access it and everything. But remember... Until you have mined to the threshold, it doesn't expel to your wallet. Right. So if I create a wallet online that is not in my control but is in the control of an online uh, provider, then I have to mine until the threshold if I want to ever get cash out. Mm -hmm. If I don't, so if I mine for two weeks and I only get halfway to the threshold then basically I've wasted two weeks worth of mining power because it will never find its way to my wallet. Right. Okay. So instead, I'm going to recommend that you create your own wallet locally, something that you control, that you're not, you're not leaning on any online service in order to provide 
the wallet service, the right. wallet feature. Okay. Now, when it comes to wallets, yes. I just want to take like 30 seconds for this. You can, like Robbie's mentioned, you can get an online service to provide a wallet. Mm-hmm. You can do your wallet on your hard drive, like mm-hmm. remotely. You'll also the find... The wallet is in the blockchain. Yes. The information yeah. itself is in the blockchain. Right. You will also hear about paper wallets. That is where you're literally recording your information on a piece of paper. <laughs> and so depending on the research you're doing, you're going to hear about which is safer, which is better. Uh, in a nutshell, what people are saying from my research, and so mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that with online services, you have the greater risk of your information being stolen because of potential hacks. If it's on your hard drive and you have it done locally, it's a little bit more safe provided your computer itself is safe. And yeah, provided your wife doesn't throw out your hard drive. Well, that too. Right, uh, Sasha? That happens. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> uh, you know, but obviously the most secure is paper, but that is the most cumbersome. So, You know what? Paper's a great backup. Yes. So when you create your wallet on your computer, which is really just to generate a wallet, private keys, and all that kind of stuff. So these keys are required in order to transact. Mm-hmm. So anyone can send me currency if they have my wallet address. Right. But they can't open that wallet. They can't remove money from that wallet unless they have the private keys. So that's where printing that information, putting it in a file folder, lock and key um, is a great way to have a backup so that if somebody throws out your hard drive that contains those private keys, you still have one that you can sit there and tediously type in. Yes. Okay. Um, So that's a a bit of a fail safe. But Realistically, as long as you've got a good backup and nobody else has access to those keys, then you're you're good. As long as you've got a copy of it, because it it doesn't matter. My my hard drive could crash. It doesn't matter as long as I've got those keys. Right. Whether they're on a paper copy or a digital copy, I just don't want anyone else to have access to them unless I die. Yeah, you don't want. That. Because if I died, and my wife didn't have my keys to open my cryptocurrency portfolio, that money is gone forever. Nobody will have access to that ever. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. Okay, so we're going to learn about TurtleCoin. TurtleCoin is a lot of fun, and that's why I wanted to focus on it tonight. TurtleCoin is a new coin that's worth one Satoshi right now. It's fluctuated up to three Satoshi over the past couple of weeks, and it's brand new. Like, it came out in December and really started to make, uh, to get noticed within the past month or so. Mm -hmm. It's been on uh, a couple of uh, podcasts, and and we've been hearing about it. Uh, Kevin Rose had it on his new cryptocurrency podcast, uh, and... uh, um, the, what really striked Kevin and what really strikes me is that the community surrounding TurtleCoin is awesome. Yeah. Like when you go into their Discord, which is a chat, um, you get to know people and you ask your questions and they're very helpful. Um, yes. They're instant. Yeah. You never get the impression there that people are like, oh, I'm so sick of hearing this stupid question. No, they're like, Oh, let me help you. Oh, yeah. here's a link to the documentation to show you. Here's the download. Um, and, and there's a lot of community kind of helping each other to gain the capability of doing TurtleCoin. Yes. So TurtleCoin right now worth nothing, essentially. But it's worth something. I mean, I've been mining it for two weeks, and I've got like $14 in U.S. dollars currency. So, right. I mean, it's something. And if that ever took off, then, you know, Turn sky's the limit. Huge. They say it'll go to the moon. Um, who knows? But again, not financial advice because we're not investing anything. We're not spending any money. We're just mining stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get a turtle wallet tonight. So we're going to go to TurtleCoin. 
dot lol. I, I love that. It's a meme coin, <laughs> uh, and you know you can learn a little bit about the creators and and how you know fun loving they are just by looking at their website. It's, it's a cheeky site. I like it. It really is cheeky. Uh, so go to download and you can choose Apple, Windows, or Linux. We're going to go Linux and you've got the CLI download. So this is kind of the pre-compiled stuff and you've got source code and everything else. I wanted to show you that, but we're not going to use it. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to compile it from source tonight because we want to have the latest and greatest version. We want to have uh, all the latest features and we want it to be compiled for our computer. Mm -hmm. So this is not mining software. This is specifically to create our uh, capability of having a wallet locally and to create our own wallet offline. So I'm just going to click on TurtleCoin. So we're at github.com slash TurtleCoin slash TurtleCoin. And here are the instructions in order to compile it yourself. So first thing we need to do is grab this first line to download. Uh, oh, well, if you're on, sorry, that is for Mac OS or Ubuntu 16.04. You can just do it with one fell swoop. Easy peasy. Copy that line. You're done. Uh, I'm not on Ubuntu. I am on uh, Linspire. So instead, I'm going to scroll down to my prerequisites here, and we're going to build it ourselves and copy the first line, which is to install the dependencies. So we jump into our terminal and paste that line. And that's just going to go on to... Now, I have already done an apt update. Make sure you do that first, sudo apt update. And it tells me that everything is already installed and ready to go. So that's good. That means that I didn't need any of this, like build essentials, Python, and that kind of stuff is already installed on my computer. Great. Uh, you may not have that, so that's an, a very important line to paste. Now I'm going to paste this line, uh, which is with these three lines, which is adding a repository to the PPA, and then it's updating uh, apt, and then it is installing RocksDB. Here it goes. That one's not going to take long. Don't worry about if not found and stuff. That's just my package manager. All right. And there we go. Oh, and it's already the latest version on here as well. So you may not see that. So it's still important to paste this, even though in my case, it was all good. Now I'm going to grab this. I'm going to jump into my CD slash TMP, and I'm going to run these commands. And... This particular process, now the initial, like cloning the GitHub repository, um, making the directory, C making, and everything doesn't take very long, but the final line, that make line, takes about 35 minutes to build the, the software. Wow. So because of that, I wanted to make, I wanted to pre do it, and I've accelerated things for you. So we've pasted that into my terminal, and now it is running through super, super fast because I've accelerated this from 35 minutes to only 48 seconds. So that's the magic of television, folks. We learn from our mistakes when we try to install things live on the air. Isn't that right, guys? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We never make mistakes. <laughs> no, I've, I've never tried to install something on air before that takes three hours no. while we're live. Okay, so there you go. Um, looks like we're just about done yeah it's done once it's finished you'll know and yeah. everything compiles just fine so now i'm back on my live system we're no longer on pre-record and you can see that what it's done is it's created a folder TurtleCoin zero point and remember i went into temp first so in TurtleCoin zero three dot two here's all the files now there's a folder that was created called TurtleCoin. 
And in there is where everything was built. So I want to actually, I don't want that in temp because if I reboot my computer having created my wallet, I'm going to lose my wallet file. Right. Right? Because temp gets cleared out. Uh, so I'm going to move that to my home folder. So move, uh, which is MV in Linux, TurtleCoin to tilde slash. And now if I go into tilde slash, which is my home folder, slash home slash Robbie, it's the same, you'll see a folder called TurtleCoin. And if I go in there, it's what I had in temp previously. So now if I reboot, it's persistent. Now if I go into the source folder, I should see um, something called simple wallet. There it is. Uh, but let's see, I want to go into build instead. And then in build, <laughs> are you following me here? I am. Are you following me here, camera guy? <laughs> we're just selling snake oil. <laughs> so I'm in tilde slash, which is my home folder, turtlecoin slash build slash src. That's where the built version is. And I can run now simple wallet. Now, when I run that, Jeff, the first thing it does is it asks me, you know, what do you want to do? You've never run this before. I want to generate a new wallet address. I'm going to press G and hit enter. What do you want to call your new wallet? I'm going to call this Robbie Wallet. Enter. Give your new wallet a password. This should be super strong. Remember, anyone who has this password and this file can get your private keys. Yes. Okay? So... I'm going to use test one, two, three. <laughs> Very <laughs> Having secure. said that. Okay, so now I have created a wallet. It says that it cannot connect to the blockchain because we have not synchronized the blockchain right. yet. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, but it is created on my local file system. So now... I've got my spend key, my view key, my mnemonic seed, which is words that I can use to recover my wallet if I ever lose my keys, and I've got my actual TurtleCoin wallet address. So this is where people send me coin, and that's where I mine to, that's where I set my pool to point, that's the address itself for public consumption, that's where I accept payments and donations. Right. Now, if I do uh, balance, 0, .0, 0.0.0, of course, and I'm going to type exit. So you'll see another file here called TurtleCoinD. If I run that, what's going to happen is it's going to download the entire blockchain to my computer. That's going to take a couple hours at least. And once it's there, I have to have TurtleCoinD running all the time if I want to open my wallet because right. it needs to be able to synchronize to the blockchain. All making sense? Yes. The blockchain is thousands and thousands of computers all communicating the wallet information and currency um, transfers and everything and the blocks themselves all to one another. So now rather than doing that today it's a good idea to do that from a network standpoint because then you are building the network by adding one more daemon to the network and here's another copy of the blockchain. It adds redundancy and it adds, um, you know, it's, it's better for um, privacy and things like that to have it running. But in our case, because of the sake of the TV show, we don't want to download something that's going to take two and a half hours and instead we're going to use the public um, blockchain. So I'm going to type dot slash simple wallet and please note here on Linux I type dot slash simple wallet. On Windows, just type simple wallet. On Mac, it's going to be dot slash simple wallet as well. So the commands are the same, regardless of whether you're on Windows or Mac, just that the installation process will be a little bit different. So in order to use the public wallet, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, first of all, I'm going to assign my wallet file, which I called, well, if I could type, Robbie wallet, okay, file equals Robbie wallet. 
And, or no, I don't need an equals. I just need a space, don't I, Jeff? Sorry. There we go. You ready for this? Because this is something that you were looking for. Yes, it, it was. Here's the key thing. Daemon dash dash, daemon dash host. And we're going to go daemon dot turtle dot link. And then dash dash daemon dash port. This is the port for the daemon. 11898. Hit enter. Enter the password for my wallet. Test one, two, three. And now it's opened my wallet. And it is syncing the blockchain with my wallet, and it's communicating with that blockchain that's publicly hosted. And then right. it's going to share that block information with everyone else. So now I can start accepting currency on my wallet because right. my wallet is synced to the blockchain. Okay. Yes. So confusing and yet so easy once we get our head around it. So the steps are, if you want to mine, you need a miner. But you need to have a wallet if you want to mine to yourself. And if you're using a pool, you need to know that the threshold is when it will flush that money that you've mined into your cryptocurrency wallet. So if you're not seeing something coming into your wallet right away, check that threshold. Maybe you right. haven't met it yet. Yeah. That's all. It's finished. It's loaded up. There you go. It's awesome. Done and done. I didn't have to sync the blockchain. That's just a quick way around it anyways. Right. So find out more. Uh, go to cat5.tv slash miners to grab the Category 5 TV miners, which is going to help support the shows that you love here. Uh, but it's also going to get you started with a pre-built, ready-to-go version of the mining software that you need in order to mine cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. right. Now, while you were doing your uh, review there of how to install it, we had a question in the chat room. Uh, a few months ago, you did... Um, uh, tester, uh, an electricity tester. Yes. Has have Put you tried in. running that? No. To see how, what the I haven't yet, but you know there is that. I mean, people can can say, uh, well, mining uses electricity. That's true. Your computer has to be on twenty four seven. Now, when I'm sitting at my computer, anyways, and working away, it's it's on. I'm I'm yep. using it. Um, but um, you can do that. Yeah, test the electricity if you. Um, there's so many different perspectives to it again this is not financial advice so but know that yeah it's going to cost money to mine in that you're using electricity when your computer's mining but the idea is the hope is that that turtle that i'm mining today if i can get ten thousand of those and then all of a sudden they become worth a dollar each boom you pay for your electricity it, not that it's going to happen not that i'm promising anything but if it did and if not it's a cheap form of entertainment well, exactly. And I mean, for myself, the idea of starting with something as easy to use as TurtleCoin mm -hmm. is helping me wrap my head around this and work through the bugs within my thinking of how this works. And so I've enjoyed it. TurtleCoin.lol. And part of it, Jeff, as we get into crypto mining, is that community. Yes. So knowing that if I am stuck, if I need help, I can get into Discord and you can find that on their website as well. And it's easy to get help mm -hmm. and people are willing to help yeah. and, and it's cool. I've enjoyed it. It's a it. lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Thanks everybody. Sasha Rickman, how are you? I am great. I am ready for the news. Are, are you? you ready? I am. We are ready over here in yes. the studio over here. All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in, oh, maybe I'm not ready. Hold on. <laughs> Why is that not working? Oh, do you need to pee? No. All right, here we go again. 
Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. A floating windmill farm off the coast of Scotland is generating energy quite efficiently. A DDoS attack of an unprecedented scale is taking place thanks to an exploit in Memcache B. Levi's is switching to lasers in an effort to cut down on the chemical use in the effort to cut down chemical use in the manufacture of denim and driverless cars are raising some big questions in UK courts as the Law Commission aims to adjust British driving laws to accommodate a future filled with autonomous vehicles. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. The world's first commercial floating offshore wind farm called High Wind started sending electricity to the grid last October. Since then, the six-turbine, 30-megawatt installation has been working really well. In fact, High Wind has had a 65% capacity factor over the last three months, according to Statoil, the Norwegian mega corporation that built the wind farm off the coast of Scotland. A capacity factor of 100% would mean that the wind farm would be sending 30 megawatts of power to the grid every minute of every day. High wind's capacity factor exceeds the average capacity factors of many sources of electricity. Onshore wind installations in the U.S., for example, had an average capacity factor of about 36.7% last year. Solar averaged 27% and hydropower generation was only around 45.2% comparatively. Comparing high wind's 65% capacity factor in the winter when winds are blowing at its hardest in Scotland to the average capacity factor of other renewable installations over the whole year isn't quite fair. We can assume high wind will have a lower capacity factor in months when the winds are milder. The, com- the company says it hopes to bring the cost of floating offshore wind down to 40 to 60 euro per megawatt hour out- which is around 50 to 74 U.S. per megawatt hour by 2030. So, um, so, so I want these everywhere. Windmills that <laughs> the generate floating, power? The floating, oh, the floating offshore yeah, windmills, right. right? I want, but I want to know because the the onshore ones have had a bad reputation for flight disruptions for birds whether or not seabirds would be affected oh yeah well, i mean a bird's a bird's a bird whether it's on land or at sea it's there's still the potential of disruption but uh, what I, I was actually thinking is what happens if you've got extreme weather like a hurricane rolling through how does that impact it they actually stop spinning they lock themselves when the weather gets too oh, bad okay um, and they're self um uprighting so that they won't capsize but uh, when it comes to the wildlife 
you're right. Like I've heard that birds can be killed by these things. Right. And so I had to look into that because it seems to me like anytime I've seen them, these windmills, they look like they're just like this. Yeah. And I didn't realize, but you know, centrifugal force or whatever it is, but these things are huge. Yes. And so at their tip, at the tip of this thing, even though it looks like it's moving really slowly, because they're so big and because it's at the tip, it's moving at more than 120 miles per hour. Really? Yeah. So huh. if that hit wildlife, it's not likely to survive, guarantee mm-hmm. you. So when it's in a field, they can measure that. They can see, okay, there are X number of dead wildlife at the foot of this thing yeah to some degree because scavengers come and and take carcasses and things but so in the water would that would they lose the ability to measure that and the ability to you know what i mean so that's my concern the yeah the evidence of this i would 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 flow would i i would say though i guess to counter that is if we could switch to greener energy we wouldn't be killing as much of the earth and and wildlife as a whole sure but we might be killing some birds that's an argument that i've heard too is you know is it not it, it will probably kill less birds than fossil fuel right right because of pollution and habitat destruction and things like that are, are the winds stronger offshore than they are on? Like, I, oh, yeah. I feel like, how is it that big of a difference? Well, I mean, if you think about it, if you've got a, a wind farm on shore, uh, typically there's other... Oh, structures and things. Yeah, that, that are yeah. going to block the wind. You could have buildings, you could have trees, whatever. Whereas if you're in the water, you got nothing. Like, that wind's going to blow. We're here in Canada, so we're pretty shielded, but you know, yes. hurricanes and things come, and they're huge. You know, it'll be a Category 5. Do you like how I nopped that? Uh, how I, how I, dro- I dropped that? It'll be a Category 5 out on the water, but then as soon as it hits land, it drops to a Category 3, right? right? So, yeah, there'd be much more wind on the water. Thinking of the birds, though, I'm like, will they follow that wind? Will the birds be following the wind? And, right. Uh, right. That's the only thing that keeps me from really yeah. loving this. Like, I want them everywhere. Could they build long some kind of a caging system or, some, yeah. or something that scares them away with some kind of shrill noise? <laughs> I don't know. It must <laughs> be a way. A new technique is abusing poorly secured servers and fueling record-breaking denial-of-service attacks along with notes demanding the targets pay hefty ransoms if they want the debilitating flood of junk traffic to stop. MemcacheD, a database caching system for speeding up websites and networks, lets DDoS vandals amplify their attacks by an unprecedented factor of 51,000. That means a single home computer with a 100 megabit per second upload capacity from its ISP is capable of bombarding a target with a once unimaginable 5 terabits per second of traffic, at least in theory. Following the discovery that DDoS vandals in the wild were abusing open memcached servers, researchers last week predicted a new round of record attacks. Two days later, DDoS mitigation service Akamai Prolex reported that reported the 1.3 terabytes per second attack against GitHub, just slightly topping previous records set in 2016. On Monday, researchers from a separate DDoS mitigation service, Arbor Networks, reported a 1.7 
terabytes per second DDoS that also relied on the newly documented memcached amplification method. Researchers are also reporting that many of the potentially paralyzing attacks are accompanied by a ransom demand, presumably so that, data f that the data flood will stop. Some of the attackers who are abusing the servers to deliver DDoSes are including the words pay 50 XMR along with the address to a wallet. As the screenshot below demonstrates, the message is repeated over and over in the payload delivered to targets in an attempt to exhaust the network bandwidth they have available. At current prices for the digital currency known as Monero, 50 XMR is valued at about $18,415. If providers everywhere deployed measures that prevented spoofed UDP traffic on their networks and shut down all publicly available Memcached servers they hosted, the new amplification technique would no longer be available. The new record-setting DDoS reported Monday demonstrates that a significant number of providers have yet to these common sense measures. So, Robbie, can yeah. you make a little bit of sense of this one for me? Well, I mean, it often comes down to server admins who, you know, we've set up servers and we trust that it's just working and maybe it's fallen behind or out of date or there's, right. you know, in this case, it's wide open to the web and the exploit exists in the wild. And now, now that hackers know about it, if you will, they create scripts that look for this exploit and once they find it then they exploit it and use it as part of a botnet and in this case so if i'm able to send um you know light through a magnifying glass and it suddenly can burn through paper it's it's you're maximizing the effects right yep. so if i'm able to send my attack through one of these susceptible servers and it becomes this massive attack because of the way memcached is being exploited then there's no limits to the damage that they can cause, taking down servers and things like that. See, what bothers me about this is I feel like this is a weekly occurrence. There's sure always some sort of attack happening. And for some reason, a lot of individual companies who have provide server service mm -hmm. are not taking the precautions to update their systems. I mean, you, you would <laughs> this is where the argument comes in. Why is your hosting so much more expensive than the one up the street who's selling it for $6 a month? Right, because the one for $6 a month could potentially just not be caring yeah. uh, to update the service on a regular, ongoing, daily, sometimes hourly basis. But, I mean, we are in a world of internet-driven everything. you got to take care. Uh, it just as it, a service provider, especially yeah, you've got to watch out for your users. Like it just, I, it, it, it's bugging me that <laughs> this stuff is falling through the cracks, and it's so simple. Mm. I, I just I kind of have to shake my head and go, "Well, if you're a server admin, update your servers, please. please. Get on some mailing lists. <laughs> Get on some mailing lists that uh, that reveal these exploits. Like I use WordPress on a lot of customer websites, and so I am very actively watching WordFence's blog, WordFence's newsletters, and things like that, so that I know what is happening as far as exploits go on WordPress. Yep. Sasha, I'm going to throw it back to you.
Levi Strauss is introducing a, digit, a digitizing technique that uses lasers to ethically create designs on its jeans in place of manual labor. Called Project FLX, which stands for Future LED Execution, the technique will cut out harmful chemicals and reduce labor-intensive steps in producing jean finishes from between 18 to 24 steps to just three. Levi is also planning to scale across scale this across the company's denim supply chain. The lasers use infrared to lightly scratch designs into the top layer of the jean surface, creating the faded outlines and tears. Levi says for the past 30 years, the clothing industry has generally used hand finishing and a chemical process to create the worn and faded designs on denim. The company has committed to achieving a zero discharge of hazardous chemicals by 2020 and says it will reduce the number of chemicals used from thousands to only dozens during the denim finishing process with this laser technology. As part of the project, Levi's designers are also using a new imaging tool to create different patterns and finishes on jeans using a tablet to create a prototype. The platform allows designers to tweak colors and control the design of rips and tears. While this isn't new, Eureka Labs reportedly tried to make the 3D graphics more realistic. Prototype jeans are usually created by using chemicals and manually ripping, tearing, or wearing down, to a, down a physical pair of jeans. The company states that this new digital tool will cut development in half from months to weeks and sometimes only to days. Those digital files created can also be sent to the laser machine to create a prototype or even to a vendor for large-scale manufacturing. Levi anticipates that the digital platform will be fully implemented in 2020. Wow. Okay. So this is another really great situation where people obviously are suffering every day with all of these chemicals and all of this hard manual labor. And technology just comes and saves the day with lasers ripping your jeans for you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great when technology improves lives. And uh, there are two sides to it. I mean, I don't know all the intricacies of it. You know, the question that Jeff probably is thinking, do do jobs get lost by robots? Nope. Actually, that wasn't going through my <laughs> what head were you at thinking? all. Okay. I I now I I by I'm sure you've seen some of the clothes I wear on the show. I'm not very fashion-minded. I like fairly simple outfits. <laughs> Why do we My make grandpa sweater? <laughs> why do we make clothes to ruin them so we can sell them new? <laughs> all right, all right. I think I think worn out clothing actually is more comfortable. I buy I would say 97% of my clothes secondhand because mm -hmm. I like the comfort of old clothes. And also I like the money savings of used clothes. Sure. sure. So, I really just love the idea that I, I imagine if you walked into the building where they are chemically de deconstructing jeans, oh, yeah. like it must be a stench beyond imagine. And that'll just be cleaned right now. We were talking just before the show even about how I took the kids to uh, uh, an indoor water park and yeah. the chlorine was just like burning your eyes and, you know, it, you, you shower it off when you're done. But yeah, I can see that being the case. So if the technology is able to improve the lives of the workers, 
and and really that needs to happen because in mm-hmm. the news you hear about how poorly the conditions are for some of these workers so you know i'm all for anything that will improve things for absolutely them. I, I say go for it this is great uh no issues with it i just don't understand that ruining clothes you don't understand fashion i don't understand fashion <laughs> i'm not fashion minded <laughs> The Law Commission in the UK is to conduct a study into British driving laws with the aim of making sure humans can still be blamed for road accidents caused by driverless cars, as well as criminalizing hackers who target autonomous vehicles. The Department for Transport said about the planned three-year review, key aspects will be adjusting traditional laws to reflect the fact Self-driving vehicles of the future will not have a driver, perhaps not even a steering wheel like traditional cars, and also consider some of the criminal offenses involved. Insurance companies have already told the government that they will refuse to pay out if autonomous vehicles run up speeding fines, even threatening to pull their all-important support from the autonomous and electric vehicle bill currently before Parliament if they were made liable in such cases. The Law Commission will look at how to allocate civil and criminal responsibility where there is some shared control in a human-machine interface, as well as the creation of new criminal offenses for novel types of conduct and interference. In other words, the hacking of driverless cars. Cyclists have in all seriousness suggested prosecuting developers of driverless cars car software for making errors if a cyclist gets squished by a self-driving vehicle. And academics have also questioned whether insurance companies would pay out in a mass driverless car hack scenario. Normally, the Law Commission issues public consultations to inform its work and then publishes a paper summarizing both the responses and its recommendations to the government. No announcement has yet been made about the motoring law consultation. Wow. So I never even thought of that when I was thinking about autonomous cars, but I ride my bike. And what if there was an issue where the car didn't see me? Yeah, you kind of trust that a human driver is going to see you there. Right. But But, we've already seen from, I can say it was about two years ago, somebody who died while they were playing, what was it, Nintendo Wii? No, they were watching... Oh, they were watching Harry Potter or something. Harry Potter, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, I mean, you give humans the ability to chill out a little bit and they're going to go ah yeah i mean already in the chat room sure. like self-driving cars equals more sleep time i mean yeah. like, like joe in new on. hampshire hey right. but uh, I, I honestly like when i'm crossing the street i mm-hmm. make eye contact at the cars like the, not the cars <laughs> the people yeah. behind the cars to make sure they see me crossing the street now i'll be walking across the street trusting because i can't make eye contact with an autonomous vehicle that they aren't going to (laughs) go. I think the autonomous vehicles can be programmed in such a way that they will follow the rules of the road regardless, but then it becomes the biker's issue that, oh, well, I just expected them to stop. I've had pedestrians just walk right out in front of my moving vehicle because they know that I, the human driver, will stop. Now, that's arrogance, and that needs to stop. Because if we're in a world where autonomous vehicles are driving, they may not stop in time. I have a real problem with the insurance aspect of it in that 
I don't think that insurance companies are insuring me personally so much as I've, I'm paying to have my property insured. I'm paying to protect those around me so that if I cause damage to someone else's property, they are covered so that, you know, if I bump into your car, you're not out the money for repairing it. That's, yep. my, that's what my insurance is for. If I'm not in the car, or if the car is driving itself, I think my insurance should still foot the bill for whatever occurs. Right. They need to revive their law, their rules in order to accommodate autonomous vehicles, not the laws accommodating the insurance companies who don't want to pay yes. if an accident happens. That yeah. is a super valid point. Yeah. I agree uh, completely. Uh, so do I. I mean, I, because I work in a, in a major city, the likelihood of a car accident has, for myself has gone up. I mean, in the four years that I've been working there, I've already had one car written off and another one been oh, in the man. shop. Now, both times they were not my fault. Right. But my insurance company, their stance is, hey, not your fault. We get it. We'll pay for the repair. We're going after the other insurance company. Right, right. So why wouldn't the insurance company say, look, if it was, you know, human error in this case where you were semi in control of the car, even though it was driving for you and you were negligent, we got to eat those costs. I get it. But if if there was a programming error or there was a hack, the insurance company should be going after whoever created that issue. So I don't see what the big concern is. Now, granted, I'm not an insurance agent. I'm not an insurance broker. I don't get it. I'm not part of that industry. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the whole point is we'll pay. We're going after somebody else. So why couldn't the same here? I mean, if if you know you've got an autonomous car that you know has a systems crash also you know oh, yeah, yeah you nail a, a or some, hackers in that in that case yeah why wouldn't they go after the company mm-hmm. that made the car then if that's the case and say you have some liability sure uh, i don't know sasha i know that we're out of time for the story and i know you want to uh, to wrap up but uh, the albuquerque turkey does raise a very interesting uh point in that okay i'm gonna expand on albuquerque turkey's comment here and say look sasha oh, okay. you're biking yes okay you're walking to and from wherever you're going. Yes. You're probably into fitness. Right. Okay. You probably are wearing, what do you got on your wrist there, girl? I have a Fitbit. You have a Fitbit. Okay. And, and probably most people these days that are biking or walking or I'm tracking my steps with my phone. You're tracking your steps with your Fitbits. Why not have a pedestrian transponder within those devices that will protect me from autonomous vehicles so that the autonomous vehicle now hmm. doesn't just see me as a person, but sees that digital footprint Recognizes of me, me as a, and says, a there's a person there, there's someone there. I recognize that that is a Fitbit signal and I need to stay away. What do you think of that? I actually really love that. It makes Ooh. me feel a lot safer because I really would love the idea that we could all just have autonomous vehicles and we wouldn't have to rely so much on human judgment in driving when we're all so tired and distracted. Yeah. So I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash, Senor Wences, and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Sasha, thank you so much. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We've had a lot of fun tonight learning about cryptocurrency, how to start mining, how to uh, get involved in uh, in the whole crypto process. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you've had fun. Let us know how it goes for you. Let us know your hash rates. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, and where you hope to see your crypto portfolio go, um, if anywhere.
Yeah. If anywhere. I'm cool with it either way. And just remember, That's part of the fun. download the miner, support Cat5. That's another thing you can do, too. Thank you. That's all the time that we have for this week, though. Sasha over there on the brick wall. We'll see you, buddy. Bye. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.